Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. and this is the first of a series of short podcasts on winter health issues. Now, for the past two years, we've heard of little but COVID-19, but needless to say, there are other threats out there, familiar ones that haven't gone away and less familiar ones that we need to be more aware of. One of the latter goes by the short name of pneumo, and that's what we're talking about today. It's an abbreviation of pneumococcal disease. The No Pneumo Awareness Campaign has been launched by MSD Ireland in conjunction with several Irish NGOs, including Age Action, Diabetes Ireland and Cree. And I'm talking to Dr Gary Stack, who is a Killarney-based GP, about Pneumo, what it is, the threat it poses and what can be done to treat it and indeed avoid getting it in the first place. Gary, welcome. Thank you, Connor. And perhaps start by telling us something about pneumococcal disease, which uh, I presume from the name affects the lungs and uh, to my ear at least, sounds worryingly similar to COVID-19. Well, pneumo certainly has to do with lungs, but um, unlike COVID and unlike influenza, this is a bacterium, which it's not a virus, it's a bacterium, but similar to COVID and similar to to flu, there is a vaccine to prevent this disease. It's relatively common that about 10% of adults carry this bug all the time and about 50% of children carry the bug. And most times it doesn't do any harm, but it can cause, occasionally can cause severe invasive disease, and that can be life-threatening. The bug is called streptococcus pneumonia, and as I said, it is a bacteria. People who are susceptible to developing severe disease are the very young, the elderly, and people with chronic conditions, chronic lung, heart, liver, kidney disease, patients with diabetes, patients with uh, long-term severe neurological disease, celiac disease is another one mentioned. Celiac disease is quite common uh, and is regarded, must be regarded as some element of immune suppression. And other patients who are immunosuppressed, such as patients on chemotherapy uh, or HIV positive patients, uh, cancer patients, they are more susceptible to developing the, the, the severe form of the infection. That list of at-risk groups sounds alarmingly familiar after almost two years of COVID, doesn't it? It's not just that list, the, uh, but including that list are, are mostly uh, the elderly. It is advised for anybody aged over 65 and for any people who have the, uh, the diseases I mentioned. But it, it, if, if invasive disease develops, it, uh, it is quite life-threatening. One in four of those people who, who get invasive disease will develop pneumonia. One in four will develop meningitis, and 10% of people who get invasive disease will die from it. That's obviously a higher mortality rate than with COVID. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select Seat Only Reservation Free Travel Scheme and pay just €2 per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. 
Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Is it a threat of the same order as COVID? My guess is that it is probably not as transmissible as viral illnesses. Prevention is much easier than COVID. It's, it's transferred in the same way with droplet infection or with direct contact with, with secretions, with respiratory secretions. But the vaccine that is available for it is highly effective. And for most people, it's only one vaccine for life. Or for, for, for others, it would be one, one shot under 65 and again, one over 65. As a bacterial infection, it presumably has its own characteristics, but are the means of transmission much different to COVID? Transmission, I suppose, is, is, is similar in some respects. It is mainly by droplet infection that you would get either pneumococcal transfer or, or COVID transfer, it's respiratory secretions, uh, coughing, sneezing, and close contact with someone who is infected. But you probably need to have a susceptibility yourself to developing the severe infection, which would not necessarily be the case with COVID. And what are the symptoms of pneumo, Gary? It depends on where the bug lies. Most commonly, I suppose, as I said, one in four will develop a pneumonia. In, in other words, a lung infection. One in four will, men, will develop meningitis, which is a brain infection. But it will have other areas as well. Sinusitis, which is infection of the sinuses in, in the face. Osteomyelitis, which is, is a very severe bone infection, bone marrow infection. Otitis media, near ear infection. So they would be the, the, the main sites of where it would lodge. Septicemia is, is widespread blood infection. That's quite a wide range of symptoms. Is it difficult to diagnose? Clinical diagnosis is, depends on the clinical symptoms. The patient will present with, with signs of those infections. The actual proving of that it is a pneumococcal infection will, will always take place in hospital, realistically. Laboratory proof of the pneumococcal infection would take place in hospital, because these infections are obviously serious enough that a person would be in hospital with them. In 2018, there were 510 laboratory confirmed cases, prove, proven cases, 510 proven cases, obviously done in hospital. Um, there must have been many more, but this was actually proven where they went looking for it and found it. And of those 510, there were 73 deaths. Is there a standard treatment? Well, the, the, one of the reasons why pneumococcal vaccine would be uh, advised is that there is increasing antibiotic resistance uh, for the pneumococcal infection. So it is becoming increasingly resistant to antibiotics. There has been increasing resistance to both penicillins and erythromycin, which would be the common antibiotics that we would use. Streptococcus pneumonia has become increasingly resistant to those antibiotics. So that is why the, the simplicity of the vaccine and the efficacy of the vac vaccine becomes more important. 
So therefore, we're better off if we can prevent it rather than trying to treat it afterwards. But the treatment afterwards, antibiotics would be the mainstay of treatment. Intravenous antibiotics would be the mainstay of treatment. The vaccine is already part of the childhood vaccinations, the standard national immunization vaccines that are given in childhood and has been part of that since 2008. Um, so it is, a, it is given in children. As I said, the very young are quite susceptible to it. And the other the patients with the other conditions I mentioned and the elderly. So it's advisable for anybody over 65 as well. And it's and for those who uh, have any of those conditions I mentioned. Vaccine available in every GP surgery and is, is, is free to those who fit into those categories. And can the vaccine be given at the same time as the flu vaccine, which, of course, is also recommended at this time of year? Can, yeah, it routinely is because that's often a reminder when people come in for their flu vaccine that they would get the pneumonia vaccine with it. Those who would, who would be in, due to get it is often given with the flu vaccine, but it can be given at any time of the year. It, it, isn't, it isn't confined to this time of the year, but respiratory infections are obviously higher through the winter period. So this is an opportune time to get it, but indeed it can be given at any time of the year. And also the COVID booster shot? Yeah, I, the three could be given together if, if, if it suited people. There's no reason not to give the three together. But most over 65s, we would expect, would have been offered the pneumococcal vaccine at this stage. So the, the, it, it's not an annual vaccine. I said it's, it's probably over 65, it's once for life. Whereas the flu vaccine would be given annually and the COVID, as we've found out, obviously has the booster is given after the six months, third shot, six months after the, other, the first two. And in case anyone's unsure whether they've already received the pneumo vaccine, that would be on the GP's records, would it not? Yeah, it would be on. It would, would be on on record. We routinely, when when it's put in, when we put it in our practice, uh, we can put a tag on it where it shows up in red, and it goes into the past history, so it can quite easily be seen if they've had the pneumococcal uh, vaccine previously. The GP has your medical record, and would have your vaccination record. So I think that's the safest place to get the vaccine where there will be a record kept of it and a record kept for future reference. Gary, is there any connection between COVID and pneumo, perhaps in the sense that one is leading to a rise in the instance of the other? No, I don't think there's a direct connection, but anybody who has one infection is quite susceptible to picking up another infection. If they're immunosuppressed because of some condition that caused them to pick up one infection, they can just as easily pick up the other infection. I'm sure there'll be some patients who might have inadvertently had a second pneumococcal vaccine. I don't see any problem with that. I wouldn't be advising it, but it doesn't cause any problems if someone in error got a second vaccine. So the purpose of the No Pneumo campaign is to encourage people, particularly those in at-risk groups, to be aware of the disease and talk to their health practitioner about receiving the vaccine. Yeah, this is the time of the year, far as I said, because particularly with the flu vaccine, has been given at this time of the year, so that's, that's the opportune time. But as I said, it can be given at any time. And the in general practice, with the last year or two, we've had chronic disease management, which is a, a number of chronic diseases such as diabetes and heart disease, where there's a, a planned follow-up, often by the, the practice nurse, a six-monthly follow-up for these diseases. And that's another opportune time where people would be offered the um, pneumococcal vaccine. Are there any practical steps people can take, in addition to receiving the vaccine, of course, to reduce their risk of contracting pneumo? I think people were well aware at this stage how to reduce their risk of getting COVID. So the same would apply to any transmissible. Any, any infection is by definition infectious. 
So you can one person can pass it to another. So the ways to reduce the risk of getting it is social distancing or anti-social distancing, if you want to call it that, washing the hands, wearing a mask, all those will reduce the risk of transmission and reduce the risk of you of a, of a person picking it up also. As a GP who deals with a lot of these types of infections, especially at this time of year, would you like to see more wearing of masks even in normal times as opposed to just during a pandemic? That's a good question, Connor. I, I think we'll have probably to, it's not something we've certainly considered until 18 months ago. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether it will continue or not. And I think maybe some people probably certainly will. Uh, maybe during the winter months when, when respiratory infections particularly are at their height, people may be more inclined to wear a mask or if someone feels that they do have an infection, they may decide to wear a mask longer term. When, when, um, but I think that that would be an interesting social, uh, not saying experiment, but an interesting social commentary. I mean, years ago, I suppose, when, when we travelled abroad, there are many countries where mask wearing is quite common. I often think in, in Asian countries, um, mask wearing could be quite common prior to COVID. So it's just, I think, to be an interesting social question as to what will happen. And Gary, are there any common side effects of the vaccine that people should be worried about? Suppose anybody can be allergic to any vaccine. And we would normally ask a patient following a vaccine to in the practice or within the vicinity to wait for 15 minutes in case of an allergic reaction. That is, most cases, is pretty immediate, is extremely rare. In my over 30 years of practice, I have never seen uh, an allergic reaction to a vaccine, but it has to be stated. The other ones you're injecting, even if, even if there's water that you injected into your shoulder, you may have some local soreness afterwards and some redness, very occasionally a headache or a mild fever, all, almost always will respond to uh, paracetamol, a bit of muscle pain or tiredness. Never, we've never seen any significant side effects, similar, to, much similar to to the flu vaccine. Gary, many thanks for your time. Best up, God bless. That was Dr. Gary Stack, who is a GP at the Park Medical Practice in Killarney. 